Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to connect Black, Brown, and Indigenous women who are interested in sustainability. Our goal is to inspire, encourage, and educate each other. From gardening, to thrifting, to minimalism, to veganism, and everywhere in between. We are all on a journey to taking care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. Although long-distance travel is off the table for many Americans for the foreseeable future, travel is an important part of so many people's lives. Being able to explore a new place is one of life's greatest pleasures. However, for those of us interested in sustainability, we understand the environmental impacts that travel may bring. I'm so excited to speak to our guests today to learn more about this topic. Also, before we get started, I want to let all of the podcast listeners know that we recorded this episode as a video chat. So if you want to watch the video version, you can find us on Instagram at Sustainable Brown Girl. Now let's get into it. Today's featured Sustainable Brown Girl is Ashley Renee a photographer, creative director, blogger, and on-camera host with a passion for travel and green living. Ashley's content centers around eco-travel, vegan lifestyle, and smart technology. We'll be talking to Ashley about how to travel sustainably once it's safe to do so, how smart tech ties into sustainability, and her new role as creative council board member for Climate Power 2020. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ashley. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. It's, you know, it's funny when I first started this journey, I felt so alone because I didn't feel like there were other people in my community who were into this kind of thing. And then I discovered people like you and others. And I was just so excited to have a community that, you know, understands that this is so important. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm fangirling because I've been following you for a few years. I found your YouTube channel around the time that you traveled to India, and I just love your travel videos so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And since then, of course, there's been a few changes in your brand, mainly the name change from Travel Luscious to your namesake, Ashley Renee. And of course, you've transitioned from more travel-centric content to sustainability content. So can you talk about that transition and what inspired it? It was definitely scary. Uh, Just put that out there. So I started a travel blog, I want to say back in 2014. And, you know, traveling was my passion. I've been obsessed with traveling since I was, I want to say 20 when I studied abroad in Egypt. And um, it wasn't until like almost a decade later that I I started this like little entrepreneur group and we're trying to figure out like what we wanted to do with our lives outside of corporate. And we were just going around in a circle saying, uh, you know, what our interests were. And my two interests were travel and video production. So my professional background is in video production and then my passion was traveling. So everybody was like, you should start a travel vlog or travel vlog and like make travel videos. And I was like, oh God, that would make sense. So that's how I became a travel blogger. Literally born out of this one little entrepreneur group that I was in. And it was so much fun. So even though I was in corporate, every single time I would travel, I would bring my camera equipment with me. And then I would try to make like travel videos out of the destinations that I would visit. And, uh, and it was 
going really well for a while. Um, and then when I was, it was 2015, I went to Bali in particular. And it was the first time I became aware of like environmentalism. I was on a beach and it was just littered with trash. And it just never dawned on me before that, that, you know, we have such a big pollution problem. Cause like most of the time when you travel, you visit these beautiful places and they're super clean, of course, because people always want touristic destinations um, that rely on tourism dollars to look their best. But this particular beach was a more local beach. And so it didn't have like the same um, level of scrutiny that say like a resort beach would have. And so I had a friend with me who was really into sustainability and she started explaining to me like all the problems on the planet and you know just how we are the cause of a lot of it. And that's when it really dawned on me that I wanted to live better and not contribute to you know the pollution problem because that was really like what I had a scope of it at that moment. And, you know, I just realized that, wow, like, so what I do in the United States can affect a country all the way on the other side of the world. And she was like, yeah, she was like, literally every time you litter, every time you, you know, buy plastic and just throw it away, it affects the planet, not just in your state, not just in your city, not just in your town, but all around the world. And so that's when it got me thinking and I became really passionate about sustainability. But the problem was over the years, um, you know, travel was my safe space. I knew, I knew it like the back of my hand. It was an industry I understood. People loved travel. People loved my travel videos. Um, I was really afraid to start talking about sustainability because I wasn't sure how people would react or respond to me talking about environmentalism. And so for a long time, my personal life really wasn't lining up with my professional life. And then at some point, I finally had the courage to just say, you know what? I want the two to align. I want to start talking about what I'm passionate about. I don't want to just talk about travel. That's not the only thing that interests me. I'm passionate about sustainability. I'm passionate about environmentalism. I'm passionate about plant-based living. And I want people to learn about this stuff. So eventually I just completely transitioned and it, it was a slow transition. I was trying to slowly warm people up to the change because it is a drastic change from what I was doing before. But I'm really happy that I did it because I'm speaking my truth and owning, you know, what I, what I really want to do. And so it's, it's, it makes me happy. Yeah, that's awesome. So how do you feel like the um, response has been to the change? So it was interesting. I remember the very first time I decided to write about what I saw in Bali. This was back in 2015. I wrote my first article for HuffPost. I got dragged online. People did. I got hate mail. I got people found my Facebook page and they were sending me these really mean messages. People found my blog. People did not like me talking about um, pollution in Bali because oh. I was talking about it from a, a tourism aspect and saying, oh, you know, we as tourists need to do better. And I wasn't covering the whole angle about like, you know, of course, pollution problems are a result of government, local populations and tourism. But because I was a travel blogger, I wanted to specifically address how tourists can do better. But people didn't want to hear that. Nobody ever wants to hear that it's their fault that you know, things are the way they are. So it scared me. I was like, oh, I'm not touching this anymore. I'm going to go back to just posting travel content and 
playing it safe and being happy and pretending like everything's just beautiful and perfect in the world. And for a while, that's what my content was. It was happy-go-lucky travel content. But then I just, you know, at some point I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like, this isn't what I want to do with my life. I don't want to keep talking about you know, travel and taking pretty travel photos. It's just not me. Um, so around 2019 is when I decided to take the plunge. And I said, you know, what? I'm doing a complete overhaul. I'm changing my name. I'm not going to be travel luscious. I'm going to be Asher Renee. I want people to know my name. Um, and at first, it was very slow, like trying to get my audience to acclimate to this new content. I definitely lost a lot of people, but it was worth it because anytime you go through a transition, anytime you go through like an awakening or an evolution of yourself, you're going to lose people because people aren't meant to be with you for every chapter of your life. You know, some people are only meant to be with you for a season and that's okay. And you have to be okay with that. And that's why I tell people, anybody who's like trying to rebrand themselves or reinvent themselves or change in any way, you have to own it. Because if this is who you are, if you're being true to who, who you're, you are and you're speaking your truth, you're going to lose people. It's only natural. But the people that you gain who are interested in this new you or this new platform, this new message that you have to share, that's all that matters. You speak to those people and you keep speaking to those people and you just keep on putting out the content and doing the work until you build the new community that you desire. So that's what happens over the course of the year. I just really worked on finding my new community and speaking to those people. And I'm really proud of like what I've built because I feel like I'm finally kind of embodying what it is that I really wanted to, to be. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I can tell how excited you are about it. And your content is really exciting too. Like I've, I'm sure you've gained a lot of new um, followers in the past, like few months and whatnot, even before the whole Amplify Black Voices um, happened. Um, I could tell that there's been a really big influx of black and brown people interested in sustainability. So it's a really exciting time. Exciting. I do feel like our community is growing. So I, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you were talking about rebranding and reinventing yourself. You have a new course that you're going to be launching soon about that. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, it's called Rebrand and Reinvent Yourself. <laughs> Rebrand and Reinvent Yourself.com. And I was inspired by my own personal journey and just knowing how difficult it can be to make that switch, to make that pivot. And especially like being in the middle of this pandemic, I really saw so many people struggling with it, especially in the travel space. I noticed that when all of a sudden the threat of not being able to travel happened, they felt like their livelihoods were now threatened. And so I really wanted people to understand that you are more than just travel. You are not what you do in life. Like who you are is not what you do. So I really wanted to come up with a course to teach people to like explore beyond what it is they do for a living and, you know, learn how to share other parts of themselves. So I put together this course to kind of like teach people how to rebrand and reinvent themselves um, so that they don't get stuck in any kind of boxes ever again. So I really hope that this helps people learn uh, like all my secrets and, you know, all my uh, tricks to like building a, a really solid brand that doesn't necessarily, you know, tie you down to one specific topic, but allows people to fall in love with you as a person and not just what you do. 
Yes, that is so important, especially, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. So it's important to be able to pivot at any time. Yeah, a quote. It's my favorite quote. I've always lived by this since I was a little girl. And it was, um, it's not the most, it's not the strongest of the species who survives, nor the most intelligent. It's those who are able to adapt to change. So if you can adapt to change, you can do anything. Absolutely. So true. So going back to travel, um, you know, we were just saying that travel is off the table for most people right now, especially considering that Americans are banned from most of the world. <laughs> but of course, that, right. of course, that won't always be the case. Um, and I hear so much about how traveling is not eco-friendly, mainly because of like the carbon emissions transmitted by planes and cars but you're all about sustainable travel and tourism. So can you explain what that is? Yes, so sustainable travel and tourism, um, it, it's a lot of different things uh, combined. So you can look at it from the transportation angle, how you travel, and yes, of course, you know, planes, the airline industry, they are the biggest, one of the biggest culprits in the travel sector for, you know, pollution and just environmental damage. But you don't always have to travel by plane. You know, there has been this big travel boom in recent years where now everybody wants to travel, everybody wants to visit the gram. In fact, I remember seeing this article that said that one of the biggest influences of where people travel Instagram photos. So people are seeing Instagram photos and they want to take these Instagram worthy pictures to share with all their friends. And so there's just been a really big boom and like people going to the same places. And now, so now you have an issue of over tourism and, you know, overcrowdedness in certain areas. Um, there's also the issue of uh, local populations being exploited. Like there are so many different levels to, you know, sustainable travel. There's you know, transportation, there's uh, the damage that it has on local populations, there's the damage it affects on the environment. There are, you know, the, the, um, the issues of what you bring into certain countries, like, for example, like our different products, even I remember, I went to um, Hong Kong, and they were talking about how like the dolphin population is starting to diminish in certain areas because of, you know, all of the boat transportation, and then, you know, the amount of people using like these, these skincare products that now get into the water and they damage the marine life, you know, the different life and the aquatic life inside these like rivers. So, you know, everything you do has an effect. And that's why I always tell people like, you know, there's no such thing as zero waste. There's no such thing as zero impact. Just living, breathing air, we're going to have some sort of impact, but we can do things to minimize that impact. So in the area of transportation, maybe instead of taking a plane and traveling internationally so much, we cut down on our international travel and we do train travel around our own countries. We get an electric car, we take electric car road trips. We learn to use public transportation more. We get out and we see our own cities and our own towns, our own local beaches. We get out and you know explore the mountains in our countries. We don't have to necessarily travel to another country to experience exoticism. I think a lot of us are just really drawn to the idea of having like this exotic experience or this authentic cultural experience. So what does that even mean? There's this phrase or this 
term is called the tourist gaze. And the tourist gaze basically is a set of expectations that we place on local populations to fit this stereotype of what we think that they should be. So that can be damaging in itself. And that's an aspect of sustainability. Like, so imagine like all these tourists going to these different places abroad because they want to have this authentic local experience. And it puts pressure on these local populations to not advance maybe in ways that they want to because they have to keep up this image of being, you know, um, of, of keeping their, their ancient cultural traditions when maybe they, they don't want to. Maybe they want to progress forward, but they can't because there's so much money in, you know, appeasing these tourists. So there's a lot of different layers to sustainability when we travel. And it just means taking, um, it means paying close attention to, you know, the way we travel, how we do it, and just, you know, kind of tweaking our habits a little bit, because that's really what sustainability is all about. It's about tweaking your everyday habits and your outlooks on life so that we do everything we can to preserve our resources and preserve, you know, local populations uh, on the planet. Yeah. Wow. I never thought about that from the standpoint of preventing a certain culture from advancing because they want to, you know, keep that that is so interesting because sometimes when I look at uh, videos of, um, I forget the mountain, but you know, the, the one mountain that every Mount Everest and everyone like goes through that town and you yeah. see it and it's like, it looks like it really hasn't progressed. Um, you know, it looks like they're still in their own, you know, little time frame. So mm -hmm. that's very interesting to look at it that way. Yeah, you have a you have a lot of cases of that where you know cultures are even like continuing to do practices that might not even be healthy for them, mm. but because every tourist wants to go there and experience it or see them doing it, they have to because they're they're pressured to by their governments because it brings in money. And that's wow. a shame. We're doing this to people because we want to have an authentic experience. So what does that even mean? Right. So true. Um, so take more local trips and, yes. you know, try to avoid planes. Anything else people can do if they do want to actually go and take that international trip? Is there are there any other ways that they can be more sustainable? Yeah, like like I said, like in the products that you bring, you know, and this actually kind of mixes in with our everyday lifestyle habits. So for example, you know, instead of bringing in, um, or so like, you know, a lot of times when I go to certain countries, I'll bring like a reusable bag because think about how often you might go to a, a local market and you want to do like a lot of souvenir shopping. Think about how often you're going to be handed up a plastic bag. And so, you know, anything that you can do to cut down on your, um, your carbon footprint or, you know, your impact on a country whenever you're traveling through it, you know, bring those good sustainable habits that you have back home with you whenever you travel, because you also want to make sure that you're doing your part to preserve these countries and, you know, these local cities that you're visiting, just like you're trying to, you know, protect the environment in your own area, make sure you bring those same habits with you when you travel, because they deserve to, you know, be treated just as, um, they deserve to be treated with as much care as you would do like your own local uh, town or your own country. Absolutely. Yeah. Developing those habits, like you said, at home and then carrying them with you is definitely a good choice. <laughs> yeah. So um, on your Instagram and YouTube, you make a lot of vegan related content. 
Um, how long have you been vegan and what made you make the switch? I've been vegan for four years and it was really interesting because I didn't even know what veganism was at first. Like I, I, I had no clue. It just kind of, I accidentally went vegan. So what happened was, <laughs> it was like this natural thing because I started out one day just randomly saying, I'm cutting out red meat just for health reasons. Like I want to be a healthy, you know, eater. And then <laughs> one day I was on Facebook and you know how like when you're scrolling through Facebook, videos automatically play and you just can't even stop it from happening. Somebody posted this three second video, like couldn't stop it even if I wanted to of these baby chicks being thrown into a grinder alive. And I was traumatized when I saw it. I said, that's it. I'm giving up all animals. I'm, I'm not just red meat, but I'm giving up chicken, turkey, all that. I'll just be pescatarian, right? Because I didn't think of fish as, as animals, I guess. I was just like, oh, I'll be pescatarian. So I went about a year being pescatarian. And then one day I was just like, oh, well, fish have feelings too. If I'm going to stop eating animals like why am I still eating fish so I was like ah, maybe I can be vegetarian I'm gonna give this vegetarian thing a try and I was in Peru at the time and in Peru they have all these really delicious fruits and vegetables and you know for protein they have quinoa and so I gave it a try and I realized I didn't miss fish I didn't miss you know meat I had plenty of protein options on a vegetarian diet and then what happened was I got home from Peru and somehow, I still don't know how this happened. I accidentally ended up following some vegan person on Instagram. Again, didn't know what it was because I thought vegans were like, you know, extremists and hippie. And I was like, why would you not eat dairy? Like, I don't understand. You're not killing cows or anything. But then when I followed her account and I saw her post, I, it immediately clicked with me and I understood. I got it. I was like, oh, I see why people do it because you're still exploiting animals. Even if you're not quote unquote eating them, they're still, you know, subjected to these conditions that they didn't ask to be in. And so when I saw it that way and, you know, saw her explaining veganism from a standpoint of exploitation, that's when it clicked with me. And I said, well, you know what, if I'm not going to eat animals, I should stand for no exploitation of any kind. And I was like, that's it. Like, it makes sense. I'm just not gonna you know stand for it at all and I'm gonna go vegan and I never look back and for a long time so I was vegan like for the animals about a year later in 2016 I watched a documentary I think it was Cowspiracy and that's the first time I learned about veganism and the connection to sustainability and I was like oh my god this aligns with like all my beliefs in terms of trying to preserve the earth I didn't realize that animal agriculture was like one of the biggest environmental destructors there were I feel so proud of myself I'm glad I went vegan I'm helping the planet yay and so that's when I started learning about you know the connection between veganism and uh, the environment and it was so eye-opening learning about that and then fast forward to maybe, excuse me, 2018, that's when I started paying attention to the health aspects of veganism. Because over time, I realized like just how I was benefiting personally. I wasn't really paying attention to it before, but I was like, oh, wow, my skin is better. I have so much energy. Um, there were just so many benefits that I was starting to notice. And so that's when I realized if I want to get people to understand veganism, because you know, a lot of people, they don't care about the, the animal aspect, but if you can, because my husband told me this, he was like, if you want people to care about veganism, you got to like talk about 
talk about it from an angle that people will understand. And health is something that people can understand because it affects all of us, right? So he's like, if you can find an angle to veganism where people can care about it because it affects them directly, you might have something. So that's when I decided to start studying the health aspects of veganism. And this year I won a scholarship to uh, study plant-based nutrition at Cornell University. And I just finished the program this week. So I'm Wow, so congrats. Thank you. So it's really exciting because now I can like educate people, especially in our community, like in the black community, because that's when I really started learning about all the food related illnesses and diseases that our community specifically suffers from. And I realized that I could help people in my community by, you know, talking to them about vegan diets. Yeah. Like you said, there are so many different reasons that people can become vegan. (laughs) My family was vegan from like, from the time I was like five for religious reasons. But I mean, since then I've started eating meat and stuff. Like I kind of, I'm flexible with it. You know, I try not to eat it too much, but I still do sometimes. Um, A little bit goes a long way. And that's why I tell people like, you don't have to go all the way. Like, even if you just give it a try and, you know, even reducing your meat intake, it helps. It helps in a lot of ways. It helps animals, it helps the environment and it helps improve your health as well. So that's great. Yeah, absolutely. So now I want to talk about smart technology. That's another big part of your brand. And you have videos and posts about your home building process and your electric car. So can you talk to us a little bit about how smart tech ties into your green lifestyle? Absolutely. So when it comes to technology, I feel like if you really want to make an impact on this world, you have to start learning about green technology because technology is what's going to help transition the world overall into a more sustainable future. You're talking electric cars, you're talking you know, solar energy, um, you're talking energy efficient homes. Like these are the things we have to start understanding, especially because technology can sometimes be very hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around, especially depending on like what generation you come from, right? So like my mom, for example, you know, she might struggle with the concept of green technology because that's this whole new thing that she has to like learn that she didn't grow up learning. But here's the thing, you know, throughout all of the years, you know, that human beings have existed, there have always been some kind of evolutionary periods that we've had to go through um, in terms of like enlightenment and transitioning. For example, you know, the industrial revolution, that happened and it required a lot of people to get on board with a really major change. And same thing, I think, you know, with the embracing of green technology, a lot of us are going to have to eventually get on board. Like this is happening. Electric cars are soon going to outnumber, uh, you know, gas powered vehicles. So the sooner we start learning about it, the quicker we can, you know, kind of hop on board and be ahead of the game so that when it actually becomes forced and it becomes like a normal thing, it won't catch us off guard. So right now, you know, and I'm not sponsored by Tesla in any way, but I genuinely love the Tesla brand because I see them as just like one of the most innovative technology companies there is. They're not a car company. Everybody thinks that they're a car company, but they're really a technology company. And what they did was just so revolutionary because before Tesla came along, car companies were not, 
trying to make electric cars. They didn't think that there was any uh, money in it. They didn't think that people would get on board with it. They didn't see the opportunity in designing electric vehicles. But when Tesla came on the market, and now we're seeing that Tesla, you know, is worth more than, you know, some of the top money-making automobile countries there are, people are, car companies are now seeing, okay, there is money to be made in electric vehicles. We got to get on board. I need to come out with an electric Hummer. I need to come out with, you know, electric, uh, you know, luxury vehicle because they're seeing how well Tesla is doing and how people are responding to it. They're seeing the Tesla stocks go up and they, Tesla, thankfully has created like an entire network like they are so far ahead of the game it's going to take electric car companies or not electric car companies but the automobile industry a while to catch up because what tesla has that other electric or what tesla has that other car companies don't have is an entire network of supercharging and so superchargers are basically charging stations that will charge your car very very fast right because a lot of people like their hesitation with electric cars is well how will i charge as i go like what do i do on a road trip you know there aren't gas stations they're not gas stations but if you have a tesla there are what's called supercharger stops where you can stop and supercharge your car so i drove my car i did a road trip from atlanta to la and it took two days um but yeah we did it and we did it in an electric car and what happens is with a tesla it has an internal navigation system that will route your entire trip through the supercharger network because these superchargers are everywhere they're they're not as prevalent as gas stations you know gas stations are on every corner but there are enough supercharger stops located throughout the entire nation so that you'll never run out of electric power. You'll be able to get to your destination as long as you follow that supercharger route. And so in order for car companies, the other car companies to catch up, they're probably what's going to happen is start their own like charging network. They're probably just going to band together, create their own charging network to kind of create something that is kind of along the lines of gas stations, but they're for electric cars and they're probably gonna build them throughout the country. So at some point, like this is happening, at some point it's going to be prevalent. Like it's going to be all over the country and people are gonna have electric cars. You're gonna have more options. There won't just be Tesla. There will be tons of car companies that sell electric cars and more and more people are gonna start doing this. So if we can all start getting on board now, it won't be such a shock to our systems. Um, but green technology is definitely, it's happening. So the quicker you can get on board with EVs and solar, the the less of a shock it'll be once it actually starts um, becoming more and more common. So, you know, solar, it's, it's, it's getting cheaper and cheaper with every year. You know, it used to be super expensive. Now, you know, we got like a seven, I think it was a 7,000 or 8,000 tax credit because we did solar. So we got like $8,000 back from the government for implementing solar last year. Um, but people should hop on it now because every year that credit starts getting lower and lower and lower. And once more people have solar, that credit's going to completely go away. So it's like all the people who are hopping on now in the beginning, they're getting rewarded from it because, you know, the government, well, <laughs> maybe not our current administration, but, you know, the, the government that was in place before our administration put in these, you know, um, these incentives for people to transition to green technology. And so we're still kind of riding that wave from, from that era. But I, I definitely think that if people can get you know, on board with green technology now, it'll be very, very helpful for the future because eventually 
like the whole world is going to have to transition. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier that depending on your generation, um, you may be a little bit slower to transition to green technology. And also, too, I feel like depending on your region, you kind of, you know, are a little bit slower. So being in Atlanta and Georgia in the South, people are kind of resistant to stuff like that. What have you noticed? Um, my own neighborhood, for example, and my sister had to laugh because she's from California and she was like, that would never happen here. Mm -hmm. When I first moved into my neighborhood, um, we put in a request with our HOA to get it approved for us to get solar panels and they denied us. The only reason why we were able to get away with installing our solar panels was because my husband read that handbook uh, through and through and he found one little loophole that allowed us to get away with it. Wow. Which, <laughs> there was a loophole that said if the HOA does not respond within a certain amount of time, it's automatically approved. And it just so happened that they didn't get back to us in time. So we went ahead and moved forward with our plans. And we even had a lawyer and everything to double check that it was okay, but it shouldn't even be that difficult like why am I being penalized or wanting to be eco-friendly that is such backwards a backwards way of thinking so I really need for certain regions like the south to adjust their mindset and you know kind of get on board with a more forward-thinking model um, because this isn't sustainable it is not sustainable to keep thinking uh you know, with archaic mindsets, it's just, it's not going to work and it's not going to help our planet in any way, shape or, or, or fashion. Yeah, absolutely. There, yeah, we really need to get on board, especially in the South. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in general, like our country in general is way far behind. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, you know, I know that there's a lot of different initiatives that have been started, one of which you recently joined, Climate Power 2020. You've joined Yay. the advisory board as environmental activist and sustainability expert. Yeah. So this is a an initiative that includes other brown girls, sustainable brown girls, such as Georgia governor candidate Stacey Abrams, Rihanna Gunn-Wright, the co-author of The Green New Deal, and Leah Thomas, who's an intersectional environmental activist who's really active on Instagram. Yes. So um, can you tell us more about your role with Climate Power 2020? Yes. So, oh my gosh, I remember when they first reached out to me, I was just so excited. I think I just, all I saw was Stacy's name and I was like, yes, I'm on board. I want to meet her. Can I meet her? Right. <laughs> So excited to see her name on the list. I was like, yeah, this is so cool. Um, and then, it, and that was all I saw. So I just saw the national advisory board members. So like all the politicians, the political leaders. And then they got back to me with um, the specific board that I was going to be on, which was like the entertainment board, the creative council. And that's when I saw, you know, the other names, like other uh, uh, climate activists and singers and actresses but I saw Zoe Deschanel I was me like too. sign me up I okay right about this anymore I'm on board I'm good I love her yeah I was a huge new girl fan so. same <laughs> yes oh man I was just so excited but even more so it was just the prospect of being able to join an organization that just aligned so much with my beliefs and Ironically, I remember in the beginning of this year, um, my husband and I were talking about like where I saw myself going, like 
down the line. And I was like, well, you know, you know, I want to take this beyond social media. Like I really want to become, you know, an ambassador for sustainability. And I said, I don't know if that means I have to get involved in politics somehow. I don't know the first thing about politics, but that just goes to show that it doesn't matter what you have experience in. It doesn't matter what you do. If you have a vision for yourself, all you need to do is say it out loud and then work towards it. You can get there. I didn't think at all that anybody would ever take, you know, a former travel blogger seriously in this kind of space, because let's be honest, like the environment, it can get very political. It is a very political topic. Um, given its its nature and how it affects so many businesses and how it affects the government and different people who don't want us to transition to a more sustainable future, it can get very political. And so once I realized that politics might be a part of what I have to kind of get into uh, moving forward, I just accepted it. And I said, you know, I don't care what my background is. I don't care what my experience has been. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to get into. And I'm not going to let anybody stop me. I'm not going to let limited beliefs stop me from pursuing that. And so it just so happened that several months after I made that, that statement kind of out loud to my husband and to myself, I got this opportunity. So it was just so incredible to be invited to be on this board. And I felt like it was a sign that I was, I was really walking like the path that I'm supposed to be on and, and owning it. So to be on a climate a board, you know, of a climate organization, that means that, you know, I get to help make decisions. And especially as a black person, I get to help influence decisions about, you know, the creative ways in which we, we talk about climate, who we target, um, a, you know, our messaging for climate and make sure that we and our communities are included because that's very important. You know, one of the main things that we've been seeing during Black Lives Matter movement is like we've been wanting a, a bigger push for companies, including black voices um, as a part of their companies. Because if you are making decisions about you know, how your company is gonna be run, but there are no people of color on your boards, there's no people of color who you have employed in your companies, how are you going to ensure that your messaging is reaching communities of color? How are you going to ensure that your messaging is not controversial? Because we've seen time and time again, companies completely messing up, you know, with controversial ads that, you know, are very offensive towards people of color. But imagine if they had black people working on their boards or on their teams, maybe that wouldn't have happened because they would have had somebody say, hold up, that's not a good idea. Maybe don't put a monkey on a t-shirt. Like that's probably not a good idea. You know what I mean? Like if you have people who actually understand the culture working for you, then you have people who can speak up for our communities. But you know, a lot of these companies, they don't hire black people or they don't hire people of color. So I think it's very, very important what they did, including the voices of brown girls, um, who can make sure that our community's interests um, are, are represented uh, for such a, a very important topic, which is climate action. Yes, absolutely. So well said. I'm so excited for you and to see how, you know, all the things you're going to do with that. So, I mean, I guess with um, the shutdown and COVID, uh, you know, you haven't really been able to do any events, but are, do you know of anything that's like being planned or any, you know, things they have planned? Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I, I think, 
this pandemic has really caused a lot of people to shift uh, their ideas of events. So basically what I'm seeing now is just more events kind of happening virtually versus right. uh, in person. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything in, in specifically coming up that I can recommend that people join. Um, I do know I, I've just been invited to a do a lot of lives and a lot of podcasts, um, you know, keynote speaking and join panels and stuff discussing sustainability. I, I was very honored. I just did um, a panel with Mashable and it was about sustainable transportation and sustainable tourism. So that was really big to have that kind of access to such a big audience to talk about a topic like this, you know, I, I definitely feel like sustainability is becoming um, a almost like a buzzword in a sense. You know, every company wants to be able to say they're sustainable. Every you know outlet wants to to be able to cover the topic. So I'm seeing sustainability becoming a much bigger. Um, a topic for people to discuss and address more and more. So I definitely think events are, are you're going to see a lot more events around sustainability um, and even veganism, you know, happening going forward. Yeah. And like you said, too, it's so important to have the diversity of voices, you know, so being able to have you to serve on those boards is, you know, and be a part of those talks and whatnot is really important because it's so nice to see, you know, people that look like you who are also interested in it. Yes, exactly. It definitely is. And and I'll just share like a brief story of why this is so important. Um, I was invited to attend a, it was a, an EV event. Um, and, you know, with the electric car community, uh, you tend to see a lot of white faces in the um, electric community, the electric vehicle community. And so there's an organization called EV Hybrid NOR that got started. And I'm so proud of what they did because they specifically created this group and this organization to target communities of color and teach them about EVs. So they put on this big event in Georgia and, you know, I was invited to it. And I remember walking into the event and this girl, her name is Brittany. She saw me and she said, oh my God, I'm fangirling right now. And I was like, why? <laughs> and she, she said, you're Ashley Renee. She was like, you don't understand. Like, I don't see people like you talking about this stuff. You're, you're one of the first people that I've ever come across that actually understands electric cars and talks about sustainability. No, none of my friends are into this. None of my family members are into this. So I feel like you're just somebody who I can relate to who actually understands the things that I love. And she was just so excited. And it just made me realize how important it is to have these communities, to have podcasts like yours, so that people who look like us don't feel alone. Because it's very easy for us to feel alone when, you know, this kind of topic tends to not be targeted towards us, which is really interesting because when it comes to climate activism and, and just climate action in general, I think there's this stigma where people think that it's a white thing, that only white people are interested in climate change or interested in sustainability, when that can be further from the truth. In fact, I think one of the fastest growing demographics of people in the United States who are interested in climate action are black teens because mm -hmm. black teens recognize that climate change is happening and their communities are the ones who are going to be affected first. They are being, you know, affected before everyone else is. And 
it's having the biggest impact on black communities, especially when you think about like weather related uh, climate change activities, it's happening in the black community. So they recognize that. So it's not just a white thing. And so I want black people and brown people and people of color in general to know that they're not alone. There are lots of us out there advocating for change and you know, we're providing the resources to help them do that and make that happen. Yes, love it. <laughs> All right, Ashley, one question before we get to our last question, where can everyone find you online? I am Hey Ashley Renee everywhere. Say hey. You can find me on Instagram, YouTube. Those are the two platforms where I am the most active. Um, YouTube, I upload, you know, plenty of videos about electric cars, about sustainability in general. I also share, you know, plant-based recipes to help you on your vegan journey. And on Instagram, it's the same. Hey Ashley Renee. I post the same topics on there as well. Perfect. Please go follow her. Her her aesthetic is just so beautiful and she has the best personality as you can see so you will not be disappointed (laughs) all right now last question what is one way that anyone can be more environmentally sustainable one way is to adjust your mindset adjust your mindset from a disposable mindset to a reusable mindset i find once you can start thinking things in terms of a long-term viewpoint versus a short-term viewpoint, you'll start paying more and more attention to, you know, how you, how you buy things um, and how you live your life. Because for example, like even like the clothes that I wear, right. I just have a closet filled with stuff that I've had since like college in my early twenties. And I'm, I'm 34 now, by the way. Um, and I just have a bunch of classic pieces that don't go out of style and I rent the rest of my clothes. If I want a rotating wardrobe, if I want new clothes, I just use rent the runaway or NYNC closet. That's a reusable mindset versus a disposable one. Because if you think about it, sustainable fashion, it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a topic that a lot of us need to start thinking about because one of the biggest polluters outside of the agriculture industry is the fast fashion industry. So, you know, you see a lot of people buying clothes that they're only wearing, you know, once or twice and then it ends up in a landfill. So when you can start thinking about things in a more long-term way, instead of short-term convenient and disposable, it will have like this domino effect in like almost everything that you do. And you'll find yourself living a more sustainable lifestyle naturally. Yes, absolutely. Adjust your mindset. That's a great first step. All right. Thanks so much, Ashley. It was so great having you on here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I'm a big fan of yours as well. And I love your videos too. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share it if you loved it and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram at Sustainable Brown Girl and check out our Facebook community. We would love to have you there. Until next time, let's continue to make healthy choices for the health of our planet and the health of our bodies. Thanks for listening.